Well, Halloween is coming, so this week is prime scary movie watching time. I'm not someone who embraces the scary film, and in fact, I'm fascinated by the fact that people do. And someone who can talk to us about why we love a horror film and why this time of year is perfect for it uh, is Dr. Sarah Cleary, lecturer at Dunleary Institute of Art, Design and Technology, who holds a PhD in horror. Hello, a PhD in horror. Yeah, it makes for interesting dinnertime conversation at Christmas <laughs> with the relatives. Um, how did you get into this genre? Um, listen, I, I think I got into it the way a lot of horror fans did. And that's really just through, as a kid, just being completely attracted to the dark side, the gory side. And with so many people, probably fairy tales. Yeah. Um, if we look back at the old Grimm stories, they're dark, they're disturbing, they're delicious. And I was just always attracted to that side of life. Um, growing up, um, you know, in rural Ireland, um, we, we, we're, we're pretty dark. Right. Um, our stories are dark. We we have this fantastic, morbid uh, sense of humour in Ireland. So it's very, it fits very comfortably within the horror genre. Yeah. I think the Irish kind of psyche. Um, we're storytellers by nature. And most of those storytellers, and most of those stories tend to be quite dark. So we, we're talking about horror here. Yeah. But when I think, I, I just kind of lump all scary films into one genre, in one kind of category in my brain. Yeah. But there is a distinction between horror and other types of scary films, isn't there? Absolutely. So, I mean, horror is such a broad brush and I have had so many conversations veering into arguments, veering into storm out sessions with people in regards to what constitutes horror because you often see horror elements in non-horror films. Um, so, for example, Silence of the Lambs. Mm. There would be a massive argument to say that that is a horror film. Mm. More would say it's a psychological thriller. Mm. Then you have this straight up horror that, you know, you see in the cinema with the likes of Annabelle and Sinister and all of these. And then you have more um, kind of specialised subgenres. So we're looking at zombies, we're looking at psychological horror, we're looking at vampires, we're looking at... Um, and what's kind of like you know, I suppose like, you know, cerebral horror as well, which there's not much guts, there's not much gore, but a couple of days later it hits you and you go, ah, oh, my God. Yeah, see, I mentioned in my introduction that I am a scaredy cat yeah. and I'm married to another scaredy cat. <laughs> so we don't really do a lot of scary films in our house. But when you say there, Silence of the Lambs mm. could be categorised as a horror film, like I, that is about as far as I can go. Do you know what I mean? But I can't, I remember I went to see The Hills Have Eyes in the cinema um, whenever that came out, 10 years ago more. And I just left and I was like, why did I do that to myself? Why would anyone do that to themselves? That film is so relentless. There's no let up. There's yeah. no like, oh, I can take a deep breath. The, the sky is bright and the music's nice for a few minutes. Like it's full on. So yeah. explain to me <laughs> the choice. And I know there's loads of people who yeah. absolutely love it. I have friends who adore horror. I mean, why, why choose to be scared for two hours <laughs> well I suppose first and foremost horror is a flavour right yeah. it's like ice cream some people are into chocolate some people have been into bananas some people are into vanilla and even within the horror genre there is lines in the sand that certain people won't cross I have mine my colleagues have others etc etc so there's flavours within the horror genre yeah. but for the most part um, I suppose the general consensus around why do we like to be afraid is it taps into a primordial and instinct um, kind of impulse that we have. Uh, we can walk around in our daily life, go to work, um, 
converse with our friends, eat our dinner, go to bed, wash, rinse and repeat. And very seldom do we actually feel that... (gasps) aliveness. We feel it sometimes when we step out in front of the road and our friend grabs us by the scruff of the neck and says, step back, what are you doing? We feel it sometimes when the alarm goes off and we realise that, um, oh my God, we've slept in. That heart attack feeling, everybody knows. And it impulse, it's this kind of a sped up heartbeat that kind of touches us and go, hang on a second, you're alive in the world. And heart taps into that impulse. Okay, I... I get this now mm. because I think I get that from swimming in cold water. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's how I was. My husband is like, "Why? Oh, why?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel alive. Absolutely. So okay, I yeah, get it. You've explained it. it so well. I okay. get it. Okay. So with that in mind, um, it is the time of year where people get into films, and I know recently we've had some incredible mm-hmm. films within the scary movie genre. I'm going to say scary movie just to broaden mm-hmm. it out a little bit. Um, and I I did make myself see Get Out. Okay. And I did see Us. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I can't, if things are like a huge part of the zeitgeist, I just have to be involved. Yeah, yeah. And I did enjoy them. I did manage to enjoy them. So what other films should people be dipping into if they want to give themselves a nice scare this week? Well, you see, this is the thing, Louise, is that there is a kind of a conversation currently out there now around this term. And it's a term that I have a serious problem with. Oh, it's okay. called elevated horror. Okay, juicy. I want to hear Yes. It. So there, it's a massive controversy within the genre right now. I, for one, think it's a marketing term. So we often think that the likes of Ariel Astry, Jordan Peele, yeah. they belong to this new ilk of elevated horror that somehow since 2016 with Jordan Peele's Get Out, horror got intelligent. Right. Now the problem... I can see why you have a yeah, problem with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Now you see the problem, the, the problem with that argument is horror has always been intelligent. Yeah. If you go all the way back to the 18th century where we have the gothic literature, horror has always had something to say. Yeah. It is one of the most acerbic and effective forms of cultural commentary we have because horror acts like a lasagna, right? Yeah. It gives us the, the cheese on the top and then slowly but surely Surely, if we want to, we can take off the layers bit by bit. But if not, we can just dive straight in. Yeah. And that's why horror is so effective, because it gives us the opportunity for entertainment. But at the same time, if we want to go there, we can dissect. And, you know, it, it, it acts in a completely different way, say, for example, to a documentary yeah. or even a lecture. Um, you know, if we sit down and watch some sort of um, news program that has a, an agenda mm-hmm. and it is a worthy agenda. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of work being done, say, for example, on coercive control, yeah. trying to articulate exactly to the public what that means. Mm-hmm. Horror has been talking about coercive control since the 19th century. Right. Horror has been talking about misogyny. Horror has been talking about um, children's rights. Yeah. Um, the lack of visibility of minorities. Horror yeah. has been talking about that since the 18th century. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I think there's this suddenly we're, we're all excited about the fact that we have intelligent horror. Yeah, I can tell you. Like, I'm getting annoyed on your behalf. <laughs> I'm getting annoyed on people in horror's behalf because yeah. I can only imagine all of a sudden you have, yeah, Jordan Peele at the Oscars or whatever. Yeah. And, oh, he's really, you know, brought social justice. And you're like, hello. This hello. Is, like, this is what we do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, I love it. Well, what are some films then that people should watch if, they, if they've if they only seen the, this yeah. elevated horror? Like Abs- me, they've only dipped in. Yeah. What other stuff should they check out? So, listen, what I would do is I would suggest people go all the way back to the scratch, right? And I would check out James Whale's 1931 Frankenstein. Okay. Because that film really 
kind of started and stopped a massive conversation in horror because when that film was first released in 1931, a massive part of it was censored. And that was the bit where the little girl is thrown into the lake. And unfortunately, what happened was, was by taking that one scene out, it actually made the monster more monstrous. Right. Because we don't understand the subtext or the context in which he's playing with the little girl. He thinks she'll enjoy the lake. He throws her in, but it all goes horrifically wrong. Okay. That scene was taken out. So in actual fact, when that film went out, we go from the monster looking at the little girl to the father holding the little girl's dead in his arms with a very coded one stocking up, one stocking down. So it looks like the monster was monstrous. So empathy for the monster just went... Yeah. Um, With that reinstated scene in there, you will understand that the monster is simply demonstrating. That's the root of monster. It's to demonstrate, you know, the evil of man. Yeah. And he is basically a reflection, a mirror to society. And we're, when we look at the monster, we're looking at us. Okay. So I would go all the way back to 1931. And it's gorgeous. And everyone thinks they've seen it, but they actually haven't. Yeah, I haven't, obviously, because yeah. I'm a scaredy cat. Now, I'm actually picking films that aren't gory. Okay. Um, and are more cerebral, really. Okay. So... Another film that I would suggest is Nicholas Rogue's uh, Don't Look Now, okay. right? And that has Donald Sutherland in it. And it's one of those films as well that is, you know, there's a scene in it with his wife that is, you know, did they, didn't they kind of thing, which is kind of goes down in, in film lore a little bit. Um, but that film is terrifying because it examines grief and okay. it examines um, grief between a couple. And it's set in Rome and it's beautiful and it's nostalgic and it's 70s and I won and it is terrifying. Okay. Because you can read it in so many different ways. Okay. Yeah. So Nicholas Rogues. Um, I would also, if we go a little bit closer um, to contemporary times, I would suggest a film, uh, The Invitation. And The Invitation is basically what goes happen when you have a dinner party in the Hollywood Hills. Um, it is an extremely intelligent film. Um, not much gore. Not much guts, but it is one of those films where from the start you know something is wrong, uh-huh. but you cannot put your finger on it. Okay. So there's that. Which is like troubling just even in concept. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's like one of those films where, you know, when you're trying to explain to somebody how horrible your flatmate is and you keep saying stupid things and they keep going, but that's not that terrible. Yeah. Explain it to me better. And you're like, no, you don't understand. Yeah, you're like, no, it sounds silly when I say it like this. Yes. But yeah. And that's the invitation really taps into that feeling. Now, another film that I would recommend wholeheartedly is um, for any people who kind of want to maybe dabble a bit in subgenres is Pontypool. Okay. And this is a zombie film without any zombies. Okay. Now, Louise, you may actually like this because the majority of this takes place in a sound booth in a radio station. Okay. Right. And the virus is spread through words. Okay. It is very, very interesting. It's very, very cool. Okay, so it's like a the zombie virus. It's a zombie virus, but zombie, the, the virus is spread through words. Okay. So the entirety of the film takes place almost, yeah, actually almost in a radio booth. <laughs> I mean, see, I'm like having this internal conflict of like, yeah. you should watch that. That would be good. And then yeah. also this, no, because you'll be scared. <laughs> well, you see, the thing about it is though, Louise, is like, you know, over the years, we actually have developed this narrative that being scared is a bad thing. Yeah. But literally as kids, we're told, don't put your hand in the fire. At that, 
you know, yeah. you'll get burnt. Look left and right because you'll get squashed. Yeah. We are told from day one that fear can actually save us. Yeah. Fear actually protects us from getting killed on the road, putting our hand in the fire. You know, kids have to be taught to not put their hand on a hot stove. Yeah. And what do we tell them? If you do that, you'll get burnt. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, fear all of a sudden became a bad thing. Mm. And I think that's something that we should re-examine and especially when it comes to children. Yeah. Um, a lot of my work, I look at children and horror and children mm. and fear mm -hmm. and our squeamishness around children and horror mm. and the way in which there's so many narratives out there around media effects and this sort of thing. But in actual fact, a good dose of fear actually sometimes can really prepare somebody for what's out there, expose them to the realities of life so that they don't get knocked down on the road, so that they don't put their hand in the fire. Horror does that. So is Halloween for you, are you like, this is amateur hour? Like no, all this these, is Christmas all the, time. Okay, this is, is it, yeah, Christmas you love time. It? No, I am not one of those people. I want everybody watching horror. I want everybody celebrating horror. This is Christmas time for me. Um, I've never been one of those people to kind of go, this is mine, this is my genre. Mm. Horror is something that if I had my way, everybody would be watching. Everybody would be indulging. Um, it There is a horror film for everybody. It is not something that anyone should ever feel, oh, I, I can't watch horror. There's a horror film for everyone. Well, I'm interested then, considering you said that, you, you know, a lot of your work is around kids and yeah. stuff. What's a good spooky thing you could show your kids that's like, you know, appropriate, but like will give them a nice yeah. scare, yeah, healthy well, scare? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, actually, it's funny you say that because in the IFI this weekend, Paranormal is showing. Mm -hmm. And what that film actually does is it's in this gorgeous, really cutesy way, using horror themes and tropes, explores LGBTQ plus issues for kids. Now, I don't know any or many genres that can do that so effectively without actually, you know, tapping into, say, for example, quote unquote, inappropriate behaviour. But mm -hmm. something like paranormal really taps into those um, kind of questions that kids have. And what kind of age are we talking about there? I know nothing about Yeah, paranormal. so we're looking, I think I think it's PG. Yeah. I think Paranorman is PG. But it's it's playing in the iFi this weekend, it just caught my eye. And I think that's such a great little film. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's so, kids' horror actually is having a moment. Yeah. If we look at something like Stranger Things. Yeah. I mean, when I was a little girl, if I'd have thought that Pennies would be doing a full-blown range of Stranger Things merchandise or <laughs> horror <laughs> merchandise yeah. it would have made my day yeah. right um, so heart, kids horror teenage horror are certainly having a moment um, you've got Fear Street on Netflix uh, Stranger Things is a big one but also bring it back to the basics right you know bring it back to um, the fairy tales yeah. you know they're dark and yeah. they are so much fun the real ones. They're real ones. Okay, yeah. I love it. Well, tell me, I know there's loads of events going yeah. on and this is a busy time of year for you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what's coming up. Yeah, so we actually have um, Samhain Family Festival. Um, myself and a colleague are the co-directors of this. We started it up about three years ago. Um, we are doing a hybrid event this weekend um, on Sunday from 11 onwards on Facebook Live. We are doing a whole modern Shanaki session. So we have 
have Ireland's premier Shanaki Eddie Lenehan is going to be doing stories and then we have a whole series of contemporary Shanaki with a nice little twist so we've got the likes of Emmett Kerwin we've got Jerry Fish Brilliant. and they're all going to be putting their spin on Halloween oh, I love and it. then we have a live event in the CHQ in partnership with Epic and the BAI and um, Arts Council Ireland so that's on on Monday from 12 o'clock Fabulous well yes. thank you so much um, if you want more horror film suggestions follow Dr Sarah Cleary's Twitter for her 31 days of Halloween where she runs down the best horror watches we only I know dipped our toe in the water here <laughs> but thank you so so much I've really enjoyed it I'm going to watch I'm going to watch a film Go I'm going to do it that's Dr Sarah Cleary she is lecturer at Dunleary Institute of Art Design and Technology and of course she has that PhD in horror which I think we all heard evidence of over the last number of minutes thank you so much Sarah thank you Louise Louise McSherry on 2FM